Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Grow With Soul. I was going to dive right back in after this break with an inverted commas normal episode but something about that didn't feel quite right. It didn't feel right to sort of just barrel back in and not take a minute to acknowledge what's been happening. I know that for many this is a reflective time a time that is sharpening priorities both for your future and the future of society as a whole. Some of you might be feeling guilty that actually you're quite enjoying this time in a lot of ways and I'm raising my hand with you there. And others of you, particularly you extroverts out there, are really struggling to get what you need energetically and mentally. In a practical way, perhaps you've had to pivot your business a complete 180. Perhaps you've dropped production down to the levels of when you first started and it feels like you've been going backwards. Or on the other hand, perhaps your business isn't as affected as you'd thought. And we're all just navigating it all days and weeks at a time. And then, of course, there is the dark background of what's going on outside of our little cave this period has truly brought to the fore, at least in the UK, but I really don't think we're unique, the levels of entitlement held by certain parts of society and the deep failings of the systems that used to be called normality. And I know that many of us are feeling truly reticent and actually worried about a rush back to establishing that old normality. It's difficult to know what is the right way to feel, as so often the way that you think you should feel as a good citizen is at odds of how to continue functioning as an individual human. So in this podcast, I'm I'm not going to dwell on this because I feel I see my role here as being a sort of escapism. But I have to acknowledge it. So if this conflict is one that you're struggling with, then I have personally found that taking small actions like donating, and for me that was to domestic abuse and elderly charities and to food banks, or if you're really struggling financially yourself, then writing to your MP, particularly if they're Tory, is little things that you can start to do to redress that balance and feel like you can then go back to working out how to function for yourself. So now, for the rest of this podcast, I am going to share with you what I've been working on, thinking on, reflecting on, because this has been a reflective time. I've been running immersion, but otherwise I've been somewhat at a loose end. I actually think that my business was naturally heading into a slow season, because I'd quietened down on client work and and don't take on one-to-one clients anymore. And without any other courses in the immediate pipeline, there wasn't really going to be a lot for me to do. But 
I know that had there not been a global slowing down, I would have really thrown myself into action and doing, but it turns out that deep reflection was what I needed. So I thought I was somebody who reflected a lot. You know, I do a a monthly review of the business and I do two monthly tarot spreads for crying out loud. But I've realised in the last few months that I'd got really good at busy reviewing. So that looks like squeezing those reviews into a pocket of time and tricking myself into feeling like I was doing deep work, but actually just writing down what I wanted to hear and what was nearest the surface. I was sleepwalking into the future, thinking that I was truly awake. So now that I have metaphorically bolted up awake in bed, I thought that today I would share some of my reflections and the kernels of plans and changes that I'm making from them. This is all very much work in progress and I don't have a definite end result yet, but sometimes I think it's interesting to share these messy middle moments and a little of the backstage. Quick side note, some of what I'm sharing here is extracted from some blog posts that I've written over the last month. These blog posts are actually some of the pieces I'm most proud of ever writing so I will link them in the show notes if you're looking for some reading material. So number one, high expectations are a hindrance. I've always had high expectations and always thought they were actually a good thing. They kept me motivated and hungry and pushing towards the next thing. At the beginning of the year, as you may know if you read my plans for the year blog post, I set a goal to make 100k this year. And although I didn't really think I'd reach it, it felt exciting to try. But then overnight, of course, 100k suddenly looked incredibly unlikely by the middle of March and also incredibly unnecessary. So for the first time in my life, my high expectations cease to serve me, both in terms of them now being more or less impossible and just also feeling quite gratuitous in the face of tragedy. But the expectations formed a part of the crisis I felt about in my business. As I spoke about on this podcast about resetting goals a few weeks ago, it was the high expectations and the goals that I'd previously set that made me feel like my business couldn't survive. As soon as I said, okay, the old goals are gone, no more striving for growth or maximising profits or whatever, I just want to make £1,000 a month because that's what I need to survive. And then as soon as I said that, everything went quiet. Like plunging underwater where all you can hear is your heartbeat and those undefinable low frequencies there was stillness. This was the first time in my life I had ever given myself low expectations and it was also the first time I ever felt peaceful towards my work and towards my life. Over the following weeks my working life changed. Rather than constantly striving for more I became able and content with just doing enough. I mostly stopped feeling guilty for doing anything that didn't involve work. I only did the work that filled me up and made me feel good and I aimed not for achievement but for happiness. 
and I hit it. This period has shown me that my high expectations, my idolising of achievement has not actually been serving me at all. It was a trap all along. My high expectations kept me dissatisfied so that I would continue to work, consume and actively look for ways to fill the void. I'd get high on productivity and then be constantly chasing the same buzz. I thought that my high expectations would get me where I wanted to be when really I was already there. The whole reason that I wanted to make 100k because that was the sort of arbitrary figure I decided meant that I wouldn't have to worry about money anymore and at that figure I'd be able to outsource much of the work I didn't enjoy and be able to spend less time working and more time in my garden. But the garden is already right there and the only thing stopping me from enjoying it was the belief that I had to achieve some more in order to do that. When I lowered my financial expectations, I worried far less about money because it feels much more doable to make £1,000 a month than £10,000. And because I wasn't trying to reach that bigger figure, I didn't need to do half the work that I believed I did. I realised that if I actually just don't do the stuff I don't like doing, I won't have to make the money necessary to hire someone else to do it instead. My goal was going to take me on a circuitous, painful journey right back to where I already was. Instead, I could just close the laptop and sit in the sun. But two, goals are still motivating. Even though my financial goal is substantially lower now, I'm still motivated by it. I still check numbers off on my spreadsheet and I colour in the little progress bars. Having a focus, a north star, is important for me, even if it's essentially just a figurehead. I've realised, for me, most of the reasons goals work is because I want to tick the goal off more than I'm driven by the desire for the substance of the goal. So it was never really about having 100k in my bank, but by but about colouring in the progress bar to get there. Earlier in the year, I wrote a blog post about the difference between being and having goals. A having goal is the traditional kind of goal, a thing we have or a place we get to after we've done a load of work. <laughs> a being goal is a thing that we have or a place we get to while we're doing the work. A having goal might be to save up loads of money to go on a working holiday in the Alps and a being goal might be to walk every day. So alongside ticking off progress bars, I'm also finding my own being goals very motivating. I'm working and reading in the garden because it's a goal to do so. So three short lists make me do stuff. My daily lists these days are short there are never more than four things on it. Sometimes if the piece of work is particularly daunting, it might be the only thing on my list for the day. This doesn't feel stressful because I worked it all out in advance. It's okay that there are only three things on my list today because I know that everything has its allotted time to get done. I don't even need to think about the other stuff because I know that's happening on Tuesday or Friday or Wednesday. And I also understand that these three things on my list today are the essential things. The things that I can see are going to take me to my goals. They're not fluff. 
if we're thinking about the Pareto principle where 80% of results comes from 20% of actions, the things on my list I know are my 20%. And that is motivating. It's also motivating because you get a feeling of completion and achievement every day. It sounds like a tiny thing, but it gives you confidence and trust in yourself that makes you feel unstoppable. I've spent years never finishing what I set out to do that week. So over three years, that's 783 daily lists. Yeah, if you allow for not having a list at a weekend. So when you've spent years never completing a to-do list, it really chips away at your self-trust. The weight of 783 unfinished to-do lists is a heavy one to bear. So starting to make them achievable helps you to feel like you can achieve and do things. Fourthly, I honed what I value. Back in the autumn of 2018, I clarified to myself that in my work, I value freedom and I value variety. I never wanted to do the same thing every day and I never wanted to feel trapped by some element or other of my work. And these days, I also add truthfulness to those values. I know that it it sounds kind of lame and I've also rolled my eyes at people saying, I just care about honesty in a very holier than thou way. But reflecting over the last weeks has shown how much truthfulness is a guiding light in what I do. Because when I say truthfulness, I mean being all in, not hiding important details behind appropriateness or embarrassment, not telling half stories just to make myself look better, not preventing someone else from a growth experience if it might make me look bad. Truthfulness means sharing the entirety of the experience and telling the stories that have the biggest impact. I realised that these values had been leading me unconsciously for a while anyway, particularly in my writing. The way I have started to write this year really came from the soul outwards rather than from my head and I kept going with it because it felt good and I now realise that it felt good because it was honest, because it was freeing, because it was different. I also realise that these values have been doing a greater job. They have crowded out and taken over from elements that weren't so helpful. For example, I've always been a perfectionist until recently I looked at what I was doing and just realised I wasn't anymore. (laughs) When I think of perfectionism, it's a trap and a straitjacket and it's not daring to do new things or create with any truth because you're so fearful of doing it wrong or less than perfectly. Whereas the things that I value are perfection's opposite. It's easier to try to start being something than to stop being something. To work towards the light rather than escape the dark. If I'd said to myself, I must stop being a perfectionist, then I don't think I would have been able to. And actually, I'm pretty sure that I would have been a perfectionist about stopping being a perfectionist. But when I said to myself, I want to feel free every day, I want to live in truthfulness, I want to pursue variety in what I do, that was an easier thing to go after. 
in all my messy false starts and wrong turnings and steps forward and steps back in trying to live and work in alignment with and prioritise these values, perfectionism got lost. As its opposites got stronger, it started to fade away. Reconnecting with and honing these values over the last few weeks has brought into focus the changes I've been wanting to make in my business. Before the reasons were kind of fuzzy and I didn't really know why I wanted them and I I just sort of did, but now I can see them through the lens of my values in sharp contrast. And this gives me renewed vigour to go and actually do the things. What are we up to now? Fifth, I think. (laughs) So I rethought my reach. I've written about this much more in detail on the blog, so you can find the link in the show notes for that. But I wanted to really get across the main point here. For about six months, maybe more, and increasing exponentially, I've been really worried about my engagement numbers and how my business is going to fail because of them. I have had, and I don't think I'm unusual in this, but I've had a drastic reduction in the number of people who see and engage with my content, particularly on Instagram. So it's really only 4% of my follower number that engage across those channels. And then with that knowledge, this kind of metastasizes in my head to telling myself that no one cares about what I've got to say, that I don't have enough people interested in my work to do new things, that I bore people away. None of which is the fault of anyone who doesn't read my stuff, right? But this is the way that we can twist pretty objective things, the numbers, into an assault on our personality and a flaw in ourselves. But something shifted over the last few weeks. So I never really checked my numbers very regularly but usually I would see something like stories views accidentally and then that would be a gut punch that would trigger an avalanche of worry like oh my god only 700 people watch that that's such a tiny conversion rate no one cares about what I'm doing I can't even get people to look at my stuff I'm so rubbish at all of this what if people find out that I'm rubbish at all of this but then one day I saw I saw that number and before the avalanche rumbled, a tiny thought came into my head. 700 whole people enjoyed that. And so I grabbed that thought and I ran with it. But ever since I've really focused in on the honour it is to have 700 to 1,000 people interact with my work and also to see the beauty in the intimacy that creates. One of the reasons I worried so much about the engagement numbers was because I'd sort of unconsciously co-opted the belief and the view that you need numbers in order to scale or grow a business in a certain direction. So particularly for me in the online education space, what you most often see is a huge amount of scale and a huge amount of churn to make selling online courses work. But what if I reject that? What if I decide that I'm going to fashion a business that works for that group of people, that 700 to 1,000 people, and also for me? Reclaiming this autonomy has helped me to truly turn my numbers worries on its head, so much so that 
I've shared those numbers here and in the blog post when I thought if anybody found out about it, I'd be finished. There's no magical level where you're suddenly able to do what you want to do. There's no number you can hit, no income number, no follower number, no no number anywhere. You have to make the decision that you're going to do what you want to do. And that's what I've done. Okay, number six, reconnecting with craftsmanship. Over April, I was kindly gifted a course about writing, but also it was about developing ideas for your business. It was with the Do Lectures and David Hyatt, who was running the course, said at one point during one of the lessons, people are willing to spend 10 years of their life on a business, but only two days on the idea. And at the time I thought, well, that doesn't apply to me because I do nothing but think about ideas. But then when I actually thought about it, I realised that I do quite a bit of daydreaming. But actually, when it came to sorting out the nuts and bolts and the logistics and the substance of a new idea or a new offer, I spent maybe half an hour (laughs) sitting down and writing it out. And then I would make the plan and go and do it. And that's what I'd been doing so far. I I had this idea of where I was going to take my business model, but something wasn't really feeling quite right. It didn't feel quite enough. And yeah, I'd only spent about half an hour working on it. So no wonder I wasn't feeling hugely passionate about it. So this spurred me on to go deeper in search of the bigger idea. What was the the better, more interesting, more truthful offering that was behind the one that I'd come up with in five minutes and then just called it quits? I realised how I'd become, over probably the last year or so, become quite slapdash in my idea generation. I would take the first thing that my brain kind of printed out into an idea and then I'd just like grab it out of the printer and run off with it, even though there were like more potential print jobs in the queue. I realised I talk so much about action and not procrastinating that actually I'd gone the other way and started taking action before the ideas were really ready. And the truth is that this was settling for an easier life. Just getting something up and out so that you just don't have to think about it anymore spending more time on the the visibly productive stuff than on the introspection. But if I'm being all in, I can't settle for easy. So I began ruminating on what might be the bigger idea. I thought about what the bigger problems were, where I was uniquely placed to help, what kind of world I wanted to live in. I remembered that this is the craft of business. Anyone can get an idea in five minutes and put it on the internet, but a business tailors and hones the idea into a really beautifully crafted thing that helps people. I always say that the difference between those who are doing it and those who aren't is that the people who are doing it are doing it. They're taking action. And I do still believe that to be true, but also the people really doing it, the people that we look up to, are crafting. They're spending extra time on the idea, they're thinking it all through, they're using the fourth or the fifth or the tenth printout rather than the first. So that's what I want to start doing more too, the craft of business. 
looking for the bigger ideas and getting my hands dirty and chapped while I hone and chip away at it. So that's my next steps and I will be sharing more about this process as it unravels over on the blog during June. So that is my reflections from the break and somebody asked me about why I take a break from the podcast and this is exactly it because you get on a treadmill with things especially all the actions that you think oh I have to do that in my business and you're just kind of chasing your tail and you don't get the time to do that deeper thinking. So next week we will be getting back into a more regular structure for the podcast so the coaching episodes will be coming back and I will be sharing more solo shows which have some how-to elements to them and also just talking about some concepts and theory and all the sorts of things that we always used to talk about on the solo shows. But yes, I just wanted to take this week to talk to you, you know, and not try and teach you or anything like that, but just take a moment to acknowledge the deep changes that are happening. But yeah, as usual any links or blog posts or anything that I mentioned will be on my website at simple and season forward slash podcast and you can come and find me on instagram I'm at simple and season if you think you have a friend who would enjoy this episode please do send them a link and share where you're listening online too and until next time I hope you grow a soul 